0: Ladies and gentlemen, we're back with another episode of On The Move. I guess we're at episode number 22, right, Joe?
1: Yes, sir. Deuces. All right.
0: Man. So when you guys listen to this, we'll be knocking on Thanksgiving coming up on Thursday. And so, yeah, Joe and I, just just the two of us this week, we uh, had a couple of magnificent guests lined up. And things kind of fell through, so we'll catch them later on. But we've been having a lot of fun um, having people on the podcast and reflecting on life and talking about things. But coming up to Thanksgiving, we we have that on our mind. We're thinking about all the things we're thankful for and some of the lessons we're learning this year. And you may find that we talk as experts at times. But really, it, <laughs> I don't know about you, Joe, but I feel like sometimes just, Getting the thoughts out of your own head and, and in a format where you know people are going to listen to it, it uh, makes you think a little bit, makes you dig a little deeper, and you don't You don't always say things that you believe. Sometimes when you know nobody's listening and it's certainly not being recorded, you have this freedom to kind of just spin a yarn, but when you know that you're making a podcast. As much as you and I talk, and, and I, I certainly approach this as you and I having a conversation, um, it's still easy to think about the fact it's being recorded, and it and it challenges you to uh, speak with truth and and speak the things you believe or you're learning and and really be honest with yourself. So I enjoy that aspect of some of these podcasts where you and I just kind of talk about the stuff we're thinking about and going through.
1: Yeah, man. You have to have conviction when you're talking in a set, setting like this. You have to really say what you mean and mean what you say, because like you said, it's recorded and and going out on the internet. So it does kind of up the ante a little bit. and Yeah, we definitely again, I I feel like you just have to act like, not act like you're the expert, but you have to say things in a way where you truly mean what you say, you know? Um, and we're not the experts. Part of the reason we have this podcast is we're trying to articulate things and figure it all out. Um, but shoot, we'll get there one day, maybe in the meantime, you know, in the meantime, maybe we'll sound mm-hmm. like experts. I think the thing we're both experts at yeah. are uh, is failing. Both of us are very good at failing. We like. I don't know if I could tell you how to do a lot of things right, but I've definitely figured out how to do things the wrong way a uh, time or two. And so I know exactly how to do that. Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> yeah, that does seem like an easy mm-hmm. task you can fall out of bed in the morning and fail yep. if you allow yourself to or even if you don't so it's been a good year and we'll have a well hopefully you guys have a good thanksgiving up there i know we're going to be all over the place down here we've got people coming to the ranch and then helen's family doesn't live too far away so heck yeah we'll probably get two or three thanksgiving dinners in and I was I worked out this morning. I'm gonna work out every day this week. Try to work off that turkey. Cause as much as I try to profess that I'm the, the carniv carnivarian oh, and all that. Yeah. Man, you put some pumpkin pie in front yeah. of me. I'll I'll be eating a lot of pie. So nice. Yeah, we're actually on Wednesday night, we're going to these friends' house and they have a thing called pie night because one of their boys Has been dismayed over the years that at the end of thanksgiving dinner and it's time for dessert you never have enough room for pie so they started a new tradition where they have wednesday night pie night and all it is is just pie for dinner and dessert
1: so oh i like that a lot i'm i'm going to pitch that to my family immediately
0: (laughs) You, you, you ought to come down
1: yeah i like that It's like, that's a good idea though. Right. Yeah. It's like the, uh, I mean, I think it's the pie nights a better idea, but you know how some families will do the one present on Christmas Eve or whatever. It's kind of like the Thanksgiving equivalent of that.
0: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And for a guy like me, like, I feel like I was raised during the Holocaust for some reason. Like when I go out to eat, Or there's a good meal. Like I have this obsession and compulsion to eat as much as I can because I must have some feeling it won't come back around again. So the idea of pie after Thanksgiving dinner has always kind of bothered me too because I'm full at the end of Thanksgiving. And then there's always two or three pies and you can only have a piece of each. And then when I was a kid, I broke my rib in a sledding accident. And for years, that rib would hurt if I ate too much. So, you know, just the wild stuff that happens when you eat too much. So the idea of a whole night for just pie, I'm down with that. But anyway, folks, hopefully you guys have a great Thanksgiving. And uh, hopefully your horsemanship journey continues to go successfully. If you don't listen to anything that we say, you should be fine. And uh, enjoy this episode number 22 of On The Move. I uh of Black Rifle coffee the other day. That's the first Black Rifle coffee I've actually bought. And it was the, uh, I bought it like I buy the dog and cat food here. I buy it for the picture on the bag. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I bought the one. It's a guy fighting a grizzly bear with a big old bowie knife. It's called uh, Kodiak Attack. It's pretty good. Oh, yeah. But yeah, the, the picture's the best. Yeah, I'm going to frame the picture when I get done.
1: <laughs> well I, l- I like those cups man i like the merch
0: yeah we gotta see where that goes i guess
1: yeah I anyone just like out there wants the the on cup. the move products dm us there you go <laughs> right.
0: hook you up they're nice cups though i don't know about you but well, I mean, you drink hot, hot drinks, even if you're not like a big coffee drinker, but there's something about a mug that has a thin, like a thin, uh, outside. I don't know. There's just a feel. We've talked about that. It's kind of stupid.
1: But... You don't like the, see, I kind of like almost like the, I don't know. Now I can't decide which kind oh, of mug big I like. mug? Better. Yeah, I mean, there's definitely something to that. Yeah. Having like a big, thick one. Actually, the ones I like the best are the ones you have, like people have when they're like camping and they're like the metal ones. Yeah. Just sipping something out of that. You just, I don't know. I think I have it ingrained in me. Just like people like standing around at their horse trailer, sipping out of mugs that look like that. Like getting ready to do like punchy stuff, you know? Yeah.
0: <laughs> Like Buster
1: Frierson. That guy's always Dude, doing punchy yeah. stuff. S- something. With this pewter cup. Yeah, exactly. Just, just ready to go do something punchy.
0: Yeah. Well, I, I know where it comes from for me is I like the coffee cup to be big enough that you get some coffee, but not so big that the coffee cools before you're done drinking it. Uh, and then gotcha. with that being said typically the mug's going to be a little smaller. It's not going to be ginormous. And then if it's a little bit of a smaller mug, then you want the I guess you like the the mug itself to not be too thick. Cuz if it's too thick and it's a smaller yeah. mug, then it's just disproportionate.
1: Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, it's almost like a like a shooter glass at that point.
0: Yeah. Well, I guess we made it to Thanksgiving. Just about. Yeah, man. We're knocking on it by the time folks are Almost. listening to this.
1: December is here next week. Yeah. It's crazy. I thought I felt like I'd never get through the fall. <laughs> <laughs>
0: hey, it's finally feeling good here. Nice and cool. Got some frost on the ground.
1: Yeah. But- when I stepped out to feed horses this morning, it was 17 degrees.
0: Yeah, I don't think it's getting down So to it's not feeling there. so hot here. Yeah, it's probably like yeah. 30, 35, maybe. Something like that here.
1: So.
0: Oh, at night? Yeah, I was hoping I was going to get up there. Oh, for that's awesome. But not anymore. Sometime. You said you've been hunting. Are you guys still shooting deer like varmints up there?
1: Uh, yeah. Well, uh, the first day of rifle was Saturday. So me and my buddy went out this afternoon and I don't know what it was, but we saw 11 bucks. None of them were big enough to, there was one that we kind of hemmed and hawed about shooting. Didn't end up shooting. And I could have shot him. He was a good size buck, but he wouldn't have been like, like the standard. Um, so we saw like 11 bucks and then just a bunch of like yearlings and both of us, you know, we'll shoot big bucks. If we see it, but both of us pretty much at this point in our hunting careers are just looking for big mature does to shoot and eat and stuff. And yeah, we were out for like three hours today. Didn't see anything. And then he's pulling out of the farm, With his truck and almost hits a big old fat doe (laughs) coming out of the farm. (laughs) So, um, but no, it it was fun, man. It, for me, like the hunting, uh, like I'm not a huge hunter by any means. I think if I wasn't into horses, I'd be a, a lot bigger into it, but it was, it's fun just going out and like, being fully focused on something and quite frankly, just not having it have nothing to do with horses, you know, like you're, you're there on your property and you're thinking about stuff and you're, you're looking around, but it's like, you've kind of completely changed your mindset from when you're normally there working. So that, that's what I enjoyed about it. and We've got so many deer in Virginia now they've made rifle season four weeks long, so I'll definitely get out a lot more. And who knows, maybe see that, that buck we hemmed and hawed about or hopefully see some more does and stuff. How but much is a... It's, you have to get it's a nice tag? just getting out. Do you have to get a tag or just a license? Uh, you, in Virginia, uh, if you get your license, an in-state license is like 40 bucks. Um, I think you get two... You get two bucks, and it's either three or four does. I think it depends on which county you're in if you get three or four does. But so you can kill five, six deer for 40 bucks in Virginia in state. And if you're the landowner, you don't even need to pay the 40 bucks. So
0: that's a pretty good, affordable source of food right there.
1: Yeah, you can find them. Like I said, man, we were. <laughs> We sat there and watched, we watched like five, probably two-year-old bucks sit there and just grazing in the pasture. And, you know, we're just, you know, we're trying not to shoot the young bucks because we'd like them to grow up into big giant deer. You hang on the wall and stuff. And like, that's cool. And it was like cool to see the bucks. Um, But there just weren't any any does around that we could find anyway, which is crazy. I've never had that problem, but oh, well, that's why it's hunting, not killing.
0: Yeah. Who said that? Heard that. Well, that's, I mean, I don't anything. we have hogs that are coming back here and we tried a trap last year. That was futile. Got one hog after running a trap for three months. But all the guys here say, "You need, you need thermal optics and a suppressor, and a you know thirty round magazine, and go out there at night." I have none of those, so.
1: What uh, what does the suppressor do for you? Just a- Keep, allow you to get more get ammo downrange before they scatter?
0: Yeah you just kind of keep things yeah. quiet just a little bit. Man, did you catch Yeah, uh, I get it. Did you catch Yellowstone when it came out last
1: week? No, man, I we've talked about this a little. I'm a bad. <laughs> well, I don't even know. I don't think I'm bad, but like I don't I don't watch Yellowstone. <laughs> like I I have uh. seen Yellowstone um but I was uh I I got so I watched part of the episode last night and I, I won't, I'll try not to spoil anything. Fa- fast forward like a minute if you're worried about Yellowstone spoilers, but I don't think I'm going to spoil anything. Um, but I walked in uh, to my dad's house last night because I got in late from North Carolina. Um, got in probably about seven o'clock or so and uh, finished putting all the horses away. Just popped in, said hi to my dad, and he was watching Yellowstone, and he was explaining to me like, "Oh, they're going to this bar, and they're all worried. There's going to be this big bar fight, and da 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 da." Um, and so, so I, dad, I, watched. Your dad's like a local like, to Yellowstone. Yellowstone. He knows
0: the places and all that.
1: Oh, he my my dad religiously watches Yellowstone, <laughs> so. He like I feel like I know the plot of Yellowstone just from talking to my dad because first he watches Yellowstone and then he texts me about all the like crazy stuff that happened on Yellowstone. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, frankly, I'm not even sure I know what the plot is of
0: Yellowstone yet, but I do know that this this latest season that came out pretty good. I mean, it's, it's not bad, you know. And they've got, like, Laney Wilson in there. So Taylor's always incorporating these, you know, country artists or these cowboys and stuff like that. But there's a funny scene in there. Basically, <laughs> if you're talking about shooting critters that are coming on your land, there's a very important lesson <laughs> that's learned in that episode. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, we yeah. We that problem here on the ranch quite a bit. And uh, so... So Bill Bill watches it a little bit, so he he caught up on that episode. So we had a good laugh about that the other day. But um, but anyone that's seen it knows, and if you haven't seen it, it's pretty funny. But it's kind of like one of those like oh son of a buck moments, you know, um, that had to do with getting a little too zesty with the pest control. But all right, I'm going for Pendleton, man.
1: Yeah. Uh coffee and then Pendleton. You are a cowboy.
0: <laughs> hey, we gotta gotta walk the walk on, on the move. So
1: Yeah, absolutely. You'd hate to hurt our image.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well and then they're doing another spin off. They did eighteen eighty three. Now they're doing a show called Nineteen Twenty Three. And it has uh Harrison Ford in it.
1: I saw that.
0: That's gonna be kinda
1: interesting. Oh, Harrison Ford is going to be, in. and and aren't they eventually going to do a four sixes spinoff with the one guy who
0: they were talking about that who went
1: away and then Jimmy became a cowboy.
0: Yeah, yeah, I don't know what's his name. Jimmy,
1: Jimmy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I don't know. Yeah.
0: Um, I, did you see? But uh, yeah, the nineteen twenty three one would
1: be interesting. Yeah. Did you
0: see maybe that's oh, not even news? Are you serious? Buster, yeah, Buster Welch passed away. Um well it was this year. Um yeah. But it's it's interesting, you know, they got him on the show. Near the end of that uh season four, he appeared on Yellowstone at least once huh. or twice.
1: Yeah, back in June are you, are you looking it up? June twelfth.
0: In June, okay.
1: Yeah um gosh gosh and then there's uh, the queen
0: this year and we lost buster welch dang it
1: yeah who um yeah he died at 94 good day
0: hope i lived that long
1: they got that older other guy who's like a a four sixes guy he's older he's been on like dale brisby's podcast and stuff oh boots o'neill and yeah, Boots O'Neill. That's the other guy. I th- when I think of like kind of old cowboys from Texas, I think of those two.
0: I don't know if they had boots on Yellowstone, but they did talk about him. I think his, oh, his I'm, name dropped. Yeah, him. I'm not Once saying
1: twice. I. I I don't think he's been on Yellowstone. Yeah. yeah, but I I was just having a stream of consciousness, you know. Yeah. And not really saying anything relevant to the conversation. <laughs> Uh, but yeah i i don't no, know man I, I don't know about you but i've just i i lately i don't like sit down and watch tv series the way i used to for whatever reason
0: yeah no i feel you i we don't watch much Which, either but I don't helen know. and i made a so, point sometimes, when we knew that was coming out yeah
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's the one time I'll watch TV is like if Kaylee and I have a show. Yeah. And that, uh, that's always like, <laughs> man, I feel like I couldn't negotiate with terrorists now. No, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> but it is is it it is always like funny, like trying to pick a show. Like, I don't know if you and Helen do that, but like trying to pick a show as a couple. Yeah. You know? Because there's... Well, I don't know. Like, if it were up to... Like, for example, the last show I really watched was the, like, new Lord of the Rings show that came out. Because in my heart of hearts, I'm, like, a big old nerd that way. Like, I love Lord of the Rings. Absolutely love Lord of the Rings. So I had to, like, find time. Luckily, Kaylee was gone for a couple weekends, and so I, like, got through the first season of that. But if I ever tried to pitch something like that for the two of us, she's just not in that direction at all, you know, but likewise, a lot of stuff she'd watch by herself, which is just, to me is just like super, super chick stuff. You know, yeah. I I would never sit down and watch by myself. So we have to find some, something that overlaps between <laughs> our preferences and that can always be challenging.
0: Yeah. No, we have that problem. But like the other night, we watched uh, Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. And I've been pitching that to Helen for a long time. Like, we've got to watch this. And she was always kind of like, nah, I don't want to see that, you know. We finally started watching it. And, I mean, she was riveted all the way through. Because that's a classic. I mean, that's a... She was like, how many times have you seen this? I was like, I've seen this like seven or eight times. Yeah, that's a good film.
1: My next, my next pitch for Kaylee is gonna be Lonesome Dove. I I think she would really like Lonesome Dove. Oh man, that's funny so, because Helen she, kept
0: talking at first during Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid, and I was like, "Hey, shh, gotta be quiet. You gotta listen yeah. to the dialogue. This is not about the action. It's like Lonesome Dove." And she was like, "I haven't seen that either." So same here oh gosh
1: yeah got man this this is like absolutely beating a dead horse but dude how good is lonesome dove like every now and then i'll just think about lonesome dove and be like man i wish i had the time to just like sit down and watch that oh it's amazing you
0: know what's another good one we watched it again the other day is all the pretty horses that's a that's a pretty solid yeah.
1: movie. Okay. I have never seen that movie. I think I think you would like it. Yeah.
0: It yeah, it's I mean I, I wouldn't put I'll it up there with up. those because it's it's you know, it's Matt Damon. About his only redeeming quality is that he was in that movie. But it's um it's good though. They tried. And I feel like they tapped into that. That genre of Western where it's a lot of dialogue, a lot of character, really tells a story, kind of like paints a life of these guys, and you think about their lives and what they're thinking, what they're going through.
1: Yeah. Well, I, yeah. Met it has the kid in Penelope there from. Cruz. Oh, I like Penelope Cruz. Yeah.
0: And then you ever watch Sling Blade? With, uh... No, I've Billy never Bob. watched Sling Blade. Oh, but hey, now that's a good movie, too. And, uh...
1: I know what that movie is, but...
0: It's the same kid from Sling Blade is in All the Pretty Horses.
1: He okay. reminds me of that gotcha. kid.
0: Remember the kid that Tinker brought to the branding that first time I was here? Cole? Uh, Cole? Cole, Cole. yeah. He reminds me of Cole. Well, rough and ready
1: kind of kid. Yeah, Cole. You know, that was, what do we always say? He was forked and punchy. Huh? <laughs> yeah. Forked. And I am forked and I am punchy. <laughs> <laughs> Heck yeah. No, he was, that that, absolutely. dude, that kid was a gamer. He came to play. Absolutely. I, 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 I liked his energy a hundred percent. Oh yeah, yeah.
0: Like you had to save him from himself every now and then because he would get in there, and <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he had all his fingers. Well, with that going on.
1: Yeah, I. You know, I I tell people this all the time though. I I don't know about you, but I feel like it's easier to get someone who's doing too much to dial it back down a little bit. And this is anything someone who's doing too much to dial it back down, then get someone who's not doing enough to do more. I'm with you. Hey, that's what we were just talking about. So You know, with like the other business stuff.
0: um, Well, like the thing I'm getting into and like, if you don't know how to do something, yeah, you can get some advice and ask as many questions as you want, but you have to get out there and do it and you won't know. Yeah. You don't know what will come of that. Like, that's what I was... The other night, Helen and I were talking about that. And you, you listen to all these success stories from people. Um, all walks of life. And even the success stories behind some of the big brand names we know today, the people that started those companies or became those people, they did not set out, like, planning to do that. They didn't, like, wake up one morning and go, you know what, I'm going to build a brand called Walmart and everybody's going to shop there. No, probably he was like, you know, he was going to buy a little store and probably somebody said, Hey, you shouldn't do that. You should, uh, you should get a job down at the mill. Don't try to start a hardware store or a little gas station, Mm -hmm. you know, but the person just does it. And then it grows. But like so many of those great things that turned out, not saying Walmart's like that great anymore, but um but you gotta admit it's a huge brand that's very successful that's squashing out competition and succeeding all over the country, but a lot of those things didn't just get born out of yeah someone's idea to make that it just happened because someone started somewhere they took the first step,
1: yeah, absolutely, and those people were. Like you said, they they were process-driven, not destination-driven. So, like, yeah. I'm just going to do this. And then the process is, like, then improve this, then improve this. And then all of a sudden you have Walmart, for better or worse.
0: Exactly. and And that's kind of a crude example, but
1: so many things are
0: like that, where somebody just started. They just put a foot out there and step off the cliff and – you know?
1: Yeah. Hopefully your shoot Seven. opens. Okay. We got a timeout. We got a timeout for two seconds. I'll be right back. Yeah, I was actually thinking about that, um, yesterday. Um, so I went down for the weekend and they had like a little, uh, they called it a play day, um, like a polo cross play day. And we went down there, um. Saturday afternoon to North Carolina and then played some chuckas yesterday. And the whole time I kept telling myself, I was like, do not like, don't even think about what the score is. Don't worry about the outcome at all. Just focus on like two things and just make sure you do those two things. Because I, I know like a personal flaw of mine. And I mean, Anybody who has any sort of vision, they start like pursuing something, and then they, they immediately think like, well, what if I succeed and do all this great stuff and da 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 da, and like, it kind of like Walmart, it just gets bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. But you do that almost to a detriment of not focusing on the like one step right in front of you, you know, and. That's like any, anytime time I play, well, play sports, work with horses, um, you know, rope, anything like that. It's like, no, just focus on the detail that you need to improve on right now. And don't think about the whole thing, because if you just focus on these details, the whole thing will start to fall into place, you know?
0: Yeah. Yeah, Bill and I had a good talk about that the other day. We were riding in the afternoon when he got home. And we were just talking about like the more you ride and also how much it helps to have some horses that get a little further along. But like the more you ride them, and you ride new colts and you ride horses in between and you keep proving that process to yourself, you keep seeing horses that that finally shape up and it, and what you're working on finally comes through because you've been allowing it to allowing it to happen you're fixing it up and letting it happen fixing it up letting it happen and the more you do that the more you believe it so the more you're willing to just get small changes and like you're saying like work on what's really important and work on what you can control and you don't try to work on that stuff you can't, and then each horse could get better that way and every time you get a new horse, you don't try to do the advanced stuff you only work on the stuff you know you can control at that stage, and you perseverate really and get it good or get your changes good, go on to something else and then and but it's hard to do that if you haven't seen a horse like start to what is that when you when you keep fixing it up and letting it happen, like the more times you see a horse come through, like the way I said it to him, we were talking Mm -hmm. and I said, you know, Bill, like I think I'm finally starting to believe that these guys think about this stuff when they're out there in the pasture. Like you can (laughs) hear that to your blue in the face. And like, I've heard that from day one, it's in Ray's book, think harmony with horses. It's in all those books but it's really hard for me to believe that it has been for years that when I work with a horse that he'll think about how I worked with him and what we worked on. And then he could even make a change the next time I get him out. And I was like, Bill, I think I'm starting to believe that more and more. And.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Cause yeah. I don't know about you, but from like a pure yeah, if you were to just like take, I guess what you'd call like the logic side of your brain, you wouldn't necessarily believe that at all. I I, I feel like I was have been. I, I feel like I'm in the same boat as you. Like there's been a couple times, maybe even in the past couple weeks, or maybe the horse has like the weekend off, and you get him out on Monday, and you're like, man, who has been working with you? You know, um. And it doesn't happen all the time. Sometimes I get them out and I'm like, God, we're, this is going to be groundhog day until the cows come home, man. We're just going to do the same stuff over and over and over again. Oh, my gosh. Um, but then, yeah, you get those breakthroughs and you're like, man, you're when I put you up, you were on step five and now you're on step seven. It's almost like we haven't even talked about this other stuff. You're just kind of filling in the gaps already. Yeah. At least that's how I would, that's how I feel about it.
0: Yeah, because I think there's like a blind belief you can have. Like, I I think I've had, I have that. I I have that with a lot of things I don't understand now. I have a blind belief. I'm like, hey, I I know it'll work. This is information coming from a good source. I'm going to work on it until I'm good at it. But, but then you still have those days, like every day, pretty much where the things that you work on in blind belief, you don't fully understand everything, so you're getting a lot done, and you should do it. You should do it even if you don't believe it, I think. Like, fully understand, believe it, but you should still work on it, still truth. But as you start to understand some of those things, and that belief really becomes internalized, then as you're working on those things, you understand, like, what it is you're trying to get done. And you realize that it's not about getting the final outcome it's about making the change and then the horse will do the final outcome on its own like he can do all this stuff and because mm-hmm. it, it all got me thinking there was a really great article I'll have to forward it to you but um Bill sent it to me he found it online someone had written up a great article about elevation and a horse and how a horse achieves it and that it was it was written very well I'm not even going to try to talk about it because I'd butcher it. But basically, in a nutshell, she explained how a horse achieves elevation by using the the slinger muscles, basically, which are would be like pectoral muscles. But on a horse, she was calling them like the sling muscles. And they tighten up, and it becomes like a sling. Like if you had a piece of rope under your horse's chest connected to each shoulder blade... And if you could, like, take that rope and pull it tight, and it would lift the chest of the horse right up. And because, um, you know, you got all these people spurring the horse in the belly and, the, you know, all, all the stuff about collection. But she explained it very simply, how a horse gets collected. And then the exercises the horse needs to do in order to strengthen those muscles. And it all went right in line with what, you know, Buck teaches and all the other great horsemen. And then, like, that article got me thinking, and I was like, wow, like, you really can't make a horse get collected. Like, it's like somebody in a gym. Like, you can't just tell someone, hey, I want you to have this form and lift up that weight like this. If they don't have the muscles developed, they can't do that. And so that article Mm -hmm. really made me understand that a little bit more, that not only would it be hard to force the horse to do something, but it's pretty much impossible to get him to do it correctly unless you set it up and you help him get strong and educated about being in that position. And then you ask him once he's ready and then he does it or he doesn't do it, but you can't make it happen. But yeah, now, it, it was cool. It, it was a different That's way. Awesome. I, I'd heard it. And, um, Definitely got me thinking.
1: Yeah, I'd love to read that. Yeah, I'll I'll send it. But I mean, there, obviously that's kind of talking about it from the physical side of things, but it's kind of the same deal with like horses and people. You can't, with with horses, if you kind of want to get barbaric with it, you can make them do things. But to do anything with real quality, you can't make them do it. You just set it up and then let it be their decision and then they go and do it. And it's the same thing with people. Like you can make people do things, but they're not going to do it with the same quality um, and buy in that they'd have if it was their idea to do whatever it is you're trying to persuade them to do, you know? Yeah. So, but like I always want to crack but it, up. It's cool that it's also a physical limitation.
0: Yeah, exactly. Because I always want to crack up and I don't out of respect for people. But you know, when you talk to a client sometimes and they say, Yeah, can you just get him? Can you like soften him up some more? Or they talk about when they ride, they're like, Yeah, he's pretty good, but I just have to soften him up. And I get, once I get him softened up, he's good. Like that's a simple one. But a lot of examples where people talk about getting their horse better and they just say, Yeah, you know, I'll just soften him up or, I'll get him bending, but it's not like you're not going to get him softened up. Only by the way that you present yourself to him, then he'll soften himself up. He'll get soft for you, and he'll reach for you. You're not going to soften him up. It's like they're thinking about it like he's a piece of rubber that's getting warmed by a fireplace, and just the more they bend him, the softer mm-hmm. he'll get. And Yeah. I guess, even though <laughs> I know that's not the way, sometimes <laughs> I think I can approach these exercises the same way, where you think, well, I'll just do them a lot, and um, he'll get better. He'll cover for me. He'll get better at it. But that, that's yeah. why some of these guys advance so quickly at this, because they understand that better. They understand how to present themselves to the horse, so it's not them softening him up. The horse is softening to them because of the way they present themselves it's almost because of what they're not asking for that the horse yields but it's like they're working on hmm. a different wavelength what
1: they're not asking for yeah what talk more about that what they're not asking for i guess that would be like if you had that mindset,
0: you had a horse that was stiff and you went out there and you thought, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bend him till he's soft. But you're not thinking about how you're presenting yourself to him or you don't even understand maybe that his mind isn't with you or his feet are all locked up. So you're, So you're not asking for that. You're not asking for his mind and you're not asking for it through his feet. You're just bending him. You're just trying to soften him up, so to speak. But it's you're just, you're just doing repetitions and showing the horse that you're stronger than he is and that if he submits, things will go well for him. So you're asking for that. I, in, instead of asking for... Really, really, instead of not asking for anything at all, you, you, you're not really asking for anything. You're just presenting yourself and leading him. Like a good leader doesn't really ask. And a good leader doesn't, isn't a bully. A good leader leads. And if you're actually a good leader, then when you look behind you, you'll have somebody following you. It seems like with a horse, it's not much different. If, if you become a horseman, then you don't have to beg if you're a horse. And you're not a tyrant either. You present yourself... And, um, and in the way you present yourself, the horse responds to you in accordance. And so if you present yourself as the leader, then he'll, he'll want to be led. Now it sounds kind of touchy feely. Yeah.
1: No, man, you're, I, and, I and, and you're again, right. There's a lot of the money. There's a lot of
0: flag handle in getting whacked over the head going on there. I mean hundred percent that that needs to happen sometimes. I mean I, I almost bent a flag the other day. And um and and that particular horse, like I couldn't even pet him on top of his head before that. And he was better to pet on the top of his head by the end of that week. And
1: I mean mm-hmm. it, it wasn't pretty. But isn't isn't that funny how like I, I've I've talked about this with people. I was talking about this with someone today. And it's almost it can almost be counterintuitive if you haven't been around or just don't know a ton about horse behavior. But how they can almost relax not almost, it a hundred percent happens they can like relax and really let down after you've firmed up appropriately because it's like for the first time in their life, they have a leader and they're like, oh, okay, man, I'm glad you're here. Yeah. But to to someone who, you know, who had never been around a horse before and you just saw someone start working a horse like that, they'd be like, man, everyone else has kind of, you know, been real gentle with that horse and, you know, like not understanding that maybe the horse is pushy or, or bothered by something or whatever. Um, but that person, you know, took a hold of that horse and, and and really firmed up on it and, you know, maybe had to flip their flag around or do whatever. But, but sure enough, then the horse changed expression, you know, and it kind of goes back to like what you said where you – you have like faith that it's going to work because you do it more and more. Um, And, and, you know, I'm not saying every horse, like definitely not every horse is like that, but there are horses where they come out of a situation and then, you know, someone like me or you gets them and we have to firm up on them just for a little bit enough to get the change. And, and then they relax, you know, and yeah, I just, I think that's interesting because I think maybe some people struggle to understand that because if you don't have all the information, it would be counterintuitive. Yeah. You know?
0: Yeah, but like that idea of not begging the horse. Because even in a herd. Yeah. Like when a lead horse goes and, you know, sets up the deal with a new horse. He doesn't go beg it for anything. He goes and presents himself as the leader. And, I mean, and that looks mm-hmm. pretty gnarly sometimes. But at the same time, that same horse that maybe goes over and just bites the crap out of a new horse might go up to a different horse that's brand new and act totally different, be real gentle. And, and you know, it just depends on what that new horse's expression is like. So in the same way, Mm -hmm. like you're saying, when we're working with a new horse, you're not going to treat them all the same, but there might be one where you're going to firm right up and there might be one where you might not firm up much at all at first. You're just being real gentle and kind of affirming him, being a safe person to be around and, and, but both ways you're presenting yourself and neither way you're begging him to do anything. You know, like a, a shy horse, you're not begging him to come up to you. You're just presenting yourself. And maybe you put yourself in his world. Say, hey, look, I'm going to be here. So I hope you can get over that. and I'm all right. You'll see. And off you go. Or a big, pushy, belligerent horse. You don't beg him to stay off you. He just, he runs into the flag, into the handle into your flag a few times. And apparently it's not a good place yeah. to be on top of you. And, and then life goes on. Mm-hmm. And it's like in both ways, all you did was you inserted yourself into his life and then just inserted the fact that you're going to be the leader. And mm-hmm. and, and what I'm, I'm not trying to give any training tips. I guess I'm just talking about, for me, the way that I'm thinking about it more and more has changed. And uh, some of the ideas that I've heard and thought of for years— just mean more to me now I believe them more
1: Yeah Yeah I totally agree with that It It Kind of goes back to and, and this isn't unique to horses Just people are like this But you know how Sometimes we've been talking And I said There's a lot of Horse academics In the world, but there's not a lot of horse practitioners because, you know, reading, reading whatever on the page and, and, you know, knowing all the Ray Hunt quotes and all that stuff, that's good. It's really important, but the next level of that is like what you're talking about, kind of applying it and through the application, achieving a deeper understanding of it. Yeah. And and it's one of those deals where there's almost there's only so much talking about it you can do. Yeah. To, which kind of circles back to like the Walmart thing, right? There there's only so much like sitting there talking about like you know, w- what kind of company are we going to build dah, dah, dah. at some point you need to just pick a waypoint. And start heading that direction.
0: Yeah. Well, like, so I was uh, listening to something today. And then I started, I had a little time driving something. So I started doing a deep dive on the idea of postmodernism. And I hadn't looked into that whole thing very much. I hear that a lot. And I heard a cool explanation and, um, or, or a way of thinking about it, that, you know, whatever you think of postmodernism, you know, that this person's defense was for, was against it, and he was saying that like, you know, a, a, satellites have not been put into space based on the principles of, you know, postmodernism. So somebody can be all about that all they want, but it's kind of an unfounded belief. In fact, the whole idea is to degrade, um, common belief. And look outside the box. So, I mean, looking outside the box, there's nothing wrong with that. But like you're saying with horsemanship, there's a certain point where you could pontificate so much that now you're off in the land of Oz. You haven't even, none of these ideas are even founded. So, you know, have fun pontificating. But if you're not getting out there as a practitioner and making those ideas stick really founding those ideas, then it's just a bunch of nonsense. And I thought that was kind of cool, though, because there's people that are putting their whole life and value behind some ideas that, whatever it means to them in theory, great, but the world doesn't revolve around that kind of thinking so far. It doesn't doesn't hold up. So same with horses. That was like I talked to somebody recently, and I, I... They asked me something, and I felt like I should reply in the best way I could as a friend, and all I could say was, well, you know, there is a lot of people teaching, and there's a lot of great people out there, and, you know, the way I would find a good teacher for myself is, you know, between what they say and what they do, I would make sure that I could wear earplugs and watch them work, and it looked good even if they weren't saying anything of great importance, if what they were doing looked correct and was looking better and better, I would have some faith in them. But <laughs> if, I, if I was watching them wearing earplugs and I couldn't hear all the great things they were saying, what they were doing looked like crap, I would, I would have my doubts. Because, uh, you know, as good as something can sound in theory, if, if they can't actually pull it off to where it looks good and it's getting better... It, again, you're like the postmodernist. It's unfounded theory and good idea or bad idea. You gotta, you gotta come come loaded for bear if you're gonna teach me something. It's gotta make sense. It's gotta hit the target and go through it, not just you know, not just go off into thin air. And uh, and I just have to believe that it's true, and you have no proof.
1: Yeah. I I totally agree with that that it, it 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 all comes back to balance, but I think I think if I had to pick one way or the other, people probably think about stuff too much and don't do quite enough. I've definitely been front row center to people who are more doers than thinkers and that can also go to hell in a handbasket. But <laughs> But especially I feel like nowadays where, you know, like it's a super valuable tool, but you can, if you decide you want to do something, you can sit there for days and just Google about it and watch YouTube videos and figure out like all this stuff and, and literally, you know, learn quite a bit, but you haven't really done anything. But besides sit at your computer or sit on your phone or whatever, you know? And so... Um, At some point, the rubber has to meet the road, and hopefully you've just prepared enough that that when you go to apply whatever you're trying to do, you stay safe. Um, But the alternative of just kind of almost staying in that bubble of never really trying to apply and and get better, um, that it's equally as ineffective.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah. What's yeah. the old saying? Zeal without knowledge. you were saying pe- you've been around people that don't do enough thinking, but they oh do man, many, uh, plenty of acting. Yeah. 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 I I guess that is one area where I was going to ask you what you meant by balance, but I guess that's what you meant. Was that there's a balance between you do need to think a little bit, and then you need to act. Quite need to act in a in a a balanced nature to the amount of thinking you've been doing, and not get off kilter.
1: Yeah, you. Yeah. You you can't if you think too much. Well, first off, if you don't think enough and you act too much. Depending on what you're doing, you'll probably end up in a whole lot of trouble, especially with horses. But if you just think way too much and don't act enough, um, one, you could also get in trouble, but two, you wouldn't get anything done. So it's like one of those deals where, okay, this person didn't think too much and they got themselves in trouble, but you're also sitting here with your finger up your nose contemplating everything you didn't get anything done yeah so you tell me which is better because neither of them are good
0: yeah no i mean it's a good thing that we're we're experts on the topic because i don't know what i'd do without (laughs) without all of our knowledge on this i'd feel lost man (laughs) (laughs) thank heavens
1: oh man we know what we're talking about i gosh I am I am experienced in in not thinking through things at all. And good lord willing, I I have bounced more times than I've broken. <laughs> yeah. But but there've also been other things. I mean, like in my life maybe maybe not with horses, but gosh, like you know, life decisions or other things where you just sit there and you think and you think and you ponder and you ponder and you just, you can like let opportunities just go right by you because you're not yeah. willing to grab a hold and, and do something with any of them, you know? Yeah. So it's, but I get I guess that's, I guess that's growing up being, uh, becoming a, a more well-balanced, better functioning person is what what can you uh, know when to hold them know when to fold them man yeah
0: (laughs) yeah that's uh it's an important like you said trying to you know grow up an important part of becoming a functioning adult in society is understanding that risk versus reward assessment where are you you like you do some thinking, then you get out there and do some doing. Because there's endless possibilities, yep. man. I mean, like you're talking to the guy whose mind is turning all the time. Like this morning, I was thinking about something in the stock market. And I was like, man, that's, that would be a good idea. And then I thought, huh, well, maybe it's not because like nobody does that. And then I was like, you know, maybe it is a good idea. And no one's doing it for the same reason I don't do it because I'm too lazy. Like, I'm not huffing after that. So there's probably, like, millions of other people also who either didn't have the same idea or don't have any reason to get off the couch and go do it. Or maybe they work really hard, and they just don't have a good reason to break up their routine and dive into that and learn about it and all that. So, again, that's where... I would just start thinking too much, and kind of have to do something or not do something. Then, then you find out. Then you know. And I don't think you're worse for it. Then you have experience, as long as you didn't really screw up. But now I'm fascinated by those stories about people who, um, who like built these companies or built a brand or did something like that because so many times they didn't start out doing what they thought they were going to end up doing. Or they didn't start out. But yeah, they didn't start out knowing what it was going to turn into. But it—it's it, like yeah, the, it's like the uh, the spoils. It's like the uh, what do you call it? The victor. Or or the spoils aren't given to the guy who isn't willing to take the risk. You're not worthy of it anyway. Yeah. If you if you weren't willing to take the risk and and move. Put some action. And yep. some effort forth
1: first. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Amazon was a book company, right? Yeah. And and now, now you can't watch football on Thursday nights without having an Amazon account. Like, <laughs> look how, like, uh, they've gone, how far they've gone.
0: <laughs> Pretty wild, man pretty wild
1: yeah yeah so
0: so many things like that
1: but but you know what i think it's one of those things where it's it's have you ever listened to people with that line of thinking where it's just kind of like success breeds success like for a person or, or for a company or whatever like I think that's 100% more more. true cuz you know they Yeah, exactly. I mean I fully feel like people like success is almost a learned thing. Um which which might get into the more like juju side of it all but you know, Pete, if you it, it's just Again, going back to horses, you teach a horse to like have little victories and little successes. Then all of a sudden that horse learns it's almost like they learn how to be successful and they learn how to work through the problems better and, and learn to kind of, you know, be with how you're presenting things. People are no different. Like you have a little kid and they're not confident. And then you take them and you like, you know, put them on a little league team and you teach them how to hold a bat and hit a ball. And it's like, okay, like this is, this is how you do that. And then, you know, maybe they get a hit in their game. Well, that carries over to, oh, I was having trouble in math class, but you know, but I wasn't very good at hitting a baseball, but I learned how to do that. So I have confidence in myself to learn how to do this math problem now. And then they get farther down the road. And then eventually they get to be an adult. And you have something go on where it's like they got a family member who's sick and it's just like really weighing on them because it's one of the most challenging times of their life. Well, they have to go back on all those other times they've succeeded and needed to basically push through and problem solve they have all of that experience and all of that confidence to draw on. So they keep moving forward and likewise failure can be a learned behavior. And I, I don't know that that's kind of how I see it. Like with those companies, like they, you pick one thing cause you can't, you can't do it all at the very beginning. So you, Like Amazon, they said, all right, we're going to be a book company. We're going to do this really well. And what happens when you have that success is more opportunities open up because, and now that they know how to succeed at that, they're like, okay, we believe in us. We can go to the next thing and succeed. And, you know, and it, like you said, just keeps snowballing.
0: Yeah. Well, no doubt in that case, failure would beget failure also if it started going in that direction. If you start failing and then you fail again and you just keep, mm-hmm. you just obsess and fail and fail. But yeah, no, yeah. but also I think no, that's like, not to it, say that
1: yeah. you might not ever fail, but yeah, you're exactly right. Right,
0: exactly. But you can't, you have to keep going forward and you have to keep. putting in the effort because no doubt there is effort involved in something like that probably a lot of people see something like the Amazon story and think wow that's great that guy just blew up but for sure somewhere between (laughs) it being a book store in his garage to being what it is now like you know that a few times in there there must have been days where it seemed like an awful good idea to quit sure Maybe it was more in the early days, but I'm sure there were definitely days where it seemed like a good idea to quit. And so to have that resolve to not only not quit, but not even to deviate from the plan, to go, well, okay, let's not do books. Let's do, you know, we'll do boxed wine, you know, or like some Mm -hmm. random other idea and just kind of go with the tide. But to stay true to what you started out to do, until mm-hmm. you get some success, even through those days where you want to fail. That, uh, And I think that's probably underappreciated quite a bit with people that seem like an overnight success, even if it took a decade or more or a couple of decades. But it's still something that becomes as big as... Um, even things much smaller than Amazon, you know, people look at that. And, and especially, like, people that, um, you know, they get get mad at the the greedy capitalist. And they just think, ah, oh, that guy had a good idea and he screwed a bunch of people and his thing blew up. and, But like, it, n- nothing happens by itself. Like, somebody was probably putting in some effort. That stuff that kind of blows up overnight like tends to blow up like overnight too, in a bad way. Like that whole thing going down with uh, the bankman Freed guy and STX. FTX. FTX. Yeah. Like that stuff happens every day. We're all excited about that one because it's on the news, but that stuff happens all the time where people have a good idea. They sell a Mm -hmm. bunch of hogwash or they sell something good mixed with hogwash or they sell something good and they don't put in the effort and the good thing kind of sells itself. And next thing you know, the good thing are either kind of takes off and sells itself to somebody else or it crashes or whatever. And it's like they get given something and as easily as you are given something, it can be taken away from you. Um, but the things that you've worked for and really put your blood, sweat, and tears into, I, you know, I think you, that can even be taken away from you. But the thing that you still have is the lessons that you learned building that. You're still left with that. Like you said, how success snowballs. Absolutely. So when you have some success, mm-hmm. then you're like, hey, I can do this. Let's... Um, Let's adapt this and do that. So even if you build something and you lose it, you still have that feeling of success. And you're like, okay, well, we'll just start over again. But if it comes to you freely, it's all exciting. And then it gets taken away. And then you're right back where you started. You're not any better for it.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you know that we'll, we'll need to sit down and do like a breakdown of this book one time. But, you know, I've talked about the Psycho-Cybernetics book. Yeah. In there, they talk about how success is a learned habit, but your brain doesn't know the difference between a real success and an imagined success, which is why things like visualization for, like, athletes or, or, you know, anyone who's trying to be successful at anything, really, that, like, visualization and kind of – uh, what's the new thing? Uh, po- like positive self talk and all that stuff. Oh, yeah, like, yeah, man, yeah, all that, that whole deal, like, that stuff matters. That stuff really does matter. You, you can't just, uh, you can't just think you suck, thank you suck, thank you suck, and then all of a sudden, like, wow, I was actually successful at this thing I thought I sucked at. That, that's <laughs> not how it works. Um, yeah. So, you know, with, with horses, you know, maybe, maybe you're not getting it, but you just sit there and you, you think about that perfect transition and think about that perfect transition and think about that perfect transition. And it's not that that's the only thing you need to get that done, but gosh, that's going to be a heck of a lot more helpful than you sitting there thinking about how you can't get transitions down well. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and back to what you said,
0: about you can't just be an academic you have to be a practitioner and then i think on top of that we talk about all the time you need to have people around you that are way better than you and i feel so bad for people that get sectioned off and become an island and don't have anybody around them because then it's a lot harder to do what you're talking about be envisioning that perfect transition or envisioning a horse feeling for you or all the all the stuff you're chasing you don't even have a visual image of someone else who can pull it off so how are you gonna get it yourself? It's gonna be so hard um, when it doesn't have to be that hard if you can find somebody who's a lot better than you and just surround yourself with that um and, and I get it I yeah. mean I think that's a normal human tendency It's easy to want to be around people that are a little bit worse than you because then you're the guy you're the shit you know. You can do the stuff and they can't, and it's not even like a pride thing. I don't think for people all the time, it's just a thing you do, where you just kind of want to be the guy that's good at something, and that's normal. I mean, it, it, you need that sometimes. You need a little pat on the back, but for the most part, you need people kicking your ass that are way better than you. That yeah. That every time mm-hmm. you ride with them, you want to hang your head in sorrow and just because you're just not there. It's good for you because nothing absolutely man nothing makes you want to reach like not being able to pull it off not being able to deliver and uh man I, like i i know for me that's the biggest thing about going to the clinics or or just getting around these guys that are better i mean you can ask them questions and learn all these technical things but just being around greatness is so important
1: yeah Yeah. Iron sharpens iron a hundred percent.
0: Yeah. But yeah, we should do that. That's a great book. I need to read that again.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, I need to go back and brush up on it if we did something like that, but that, that book definitely like, I don't know. It, it like changed my whole outlook on life, honestly. (laughs) (laughs) not to overstate it but yeah me too man because
0: like i grew up hearing things like the power of positive thinking and Mm -hmm. i maybe it just didn't come from a reliable source but i thought that was a bunch of jargon and in that book like within a couple chapters it's basically saying that like yes there is power in positive thinking and Mm -hmm. and it makes sense But.
1: Yeah, it does. I mean, I, our our subconscious brain is still probably the most powerful supercomputer on the planet. So we have no idea what's going on, kind of in the background. Um, but I do know that that just like any other computer. Um, it will take inputs and it will give outputs. And so if your inputs are crappy, um, then the outputs are not likely to be good. (laughs) So you have to, you know, it's one of those, again, we keep saying it, it. It's not the only thing. There's lots of things you need to do to be successful. Or at least, I mean, that's what I think. I don't consider myself a successful person as far as like <laughs> me being where I want to go. But I can pinpoint a couple times where I've been trying to do something and I have had success and this is how I did it. Um, you have to imagine that you are capable of those things and you cannot in the back of your head say... Well, I could never do that, you know, because I, I have done that before and it's like the most surefire way to actually never get whatever you're trying to accomplish done. You know, I, so I don't know how far positive thinking can get you. Um, but I know negative well, thinking only takes you backwards.
0: Yeah. Well, it gets you as far as it needs to, because while you were talking, Like, it makes sense, Joe. Like, if you said, I can never do that, then you're never going to try it. So, if you tell yourself, like, and Mm -hmm. again, like, I'm not a scientist. I'm sure they would get way more technical about this. But to me, like, it breaks down to something very simply like that, where if you say, like, I want to do that, I could do that. There's totally a chance I can be successful. Well, now there's a much higher chance that you're going to actually try it. And you're going to start. You're going to. Take a step forward. But if you're doubting yourself, telling yourself you can't do it, seeing no future in it, you're not even going to start. And if you don't start, well, we all know. I mean, that's about where it ends. So I, I think that totally makes sense. That's like the first ingredient is is saying. Mm-hmm. It's, it's like committing. Absolutely. Like part of that isn't just thinking positively, but you're committing. Cause you can't commit to something if you don't even think you can do it. And so you start by saying, Hey, I could, I can do that. And then you go, okay, well, since I can do it, then I'm going to do it. And then you start looking for how to start, how to get your foot in the door. Take the first step.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I heard a cool story about a guy who's like trying to get back into shape or something. And for like the first two weeks, All he did was get up in the morning, show up to the gym, and scan his card. And then he'd go home and eat breakfast and, like, go to work and stuff. Yeah. And so he just developed the habit of, like, getting up in the morning and going to the gym. And then he was like, all right, now I'm going to go to the gym, and I'm going to exercise for 10 minutes. And he did that for, like, two weeks. (laughs) And then he made it, you know, 20 minutes and then added on to, like, however long he wanted to get his sessions in but i just think that's such a cool example because it's like you know he didn't he said he he made the goal posts in a place where it was like he had no excuse not to succeed at that small part of his big plan right yeah. so it's like okay the first thing i'm gonna do is I'm never not going to show up. You know? And then from there, he's like, all right, well, what's the next thing I need to do? Well, then I need to like actually show up and do something. So I'm going to never, never not show up and do something. Yeah. And then, you know, you just keep scaling it from there, which I mean, is the same way we teach horses to do things. If you think about it, we scale it down. To something they can grasp, build their confidence there, and then go from that. But yeah, but it's hard because, again, if you don't have the practice doing that, if you haven't learned how to succeed, it can seem like an insurmountable task and you might not know how to break it all down.
0: Yeah, you know what's a good example of that is um, actors, like some of the more successful ones. A lot of times you hear their story, and they're like, well, I wanted to become an actor, so I just went to Hollywood and went to a set, showed up. I was a stagehand, didn't get paid. I volunteered. I just kept coming back every day. They'll be like, yeah, I worked on such and such a movie, worked on the whole thing, didn't make a cent. But this director saw me and I held this shade tarp up and someone asked me to say something or I tripped over a bottle of water and fell on stage and then it happened. But like they had to show up. Like if they didn't go there and get to that place
1: mm-hmm. and then
0: ask for a job, get denied and say, okay, well, that's okay. I'll just work for free then. And um like there's a real lack of that. And, and what I, I almost get indignant about sometimes is like when I tell someone I'm going to do something and they're like, Oh, how much are you getting paid for that? And I'll like tell them or I'll say, Oh, Oh nothing. I'm just doing it. I'm like, Oh, you shouldn't do that. You need to get more money than that. And they don't. But like, to me, that thing is the thing I'm trying to do for free. Like, I'm just going to do it. I don't care. Like, I want to be in that space. I want to be in that business space. So I have to show up to that space. I can't wait till there's a good offer. I have to just go over there and do it and then go from there. But, like, to me, that's the first step is like going and showing up, introducing yourself, like being there. And if you get paid, great. If you don't, volunteer, prove yourself useful. But, like, if you're not there and present, like, no one's ever going to pick you, no one's going to offer you anything. If you're not even there in the first place, they won't even know you exist. Like, no yeah. one's going to come to, like, Bumfrick, Iowa and knock on your house door and be like, hey, you know, we're looking for a, a leading male for this this great role. We think you'd be great. They don't know you exist. There probably is someone in Bumfrick, Iowa who'd be a great actor, but he'd have to go where someone's going to see him and then that's like the same for any industry or any anything out there like yeah some people are born yeah. into stuff but most people you have to decide you're going to do it and then go take the first step and and then that's that thing the first step might not be pretty might not be very fun but it's, that's the entry
1: point yeah yeah Definitely at the beginning when you're trying to get into something new like that, you, you have to first make yourself self available, you know, availability is the best ability. That's, that's what I've always heard. <laughs> I like that. That's a good way to yeah. put it. Yeah. Well, man, that's, that brings um, us, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, I just heard that, um, from From like coaches growing up, talking about how important it was in sports to stay healthy, because you can. There's, there's, you know, people who are really athletic, but they get hurt easily, and you know, over the course of the season, that doesn't do you much good. But yeah, it goes for anything. I think your example is better than that, honestly. But availability is the best ability. So you have, step one is always be available, and then you go from there.
0: Good rule of thumb. Anybody out there getting a tattoo, you gotta give Joe trademark fees for that. There you go.
1: <laughs> yeah, we'll give a free cup to uh whoever sends us a pick of their on the move tattoo, by the way.
0: <laughs> I love it. I love it. <laughs> yeah. And we'll get you whatever kind of cup yeah, you want. We'll
1: give you f we'll give you a we might mu- yeah. Shoot, we'll get, we might even give you a hat too. We'll give you a hat and a uh and a mug if you send us pictures of your on the move tattoo.
0: Yeah. There you go. Well man, that brings us all the way around to Thanksgiving, kinda. Cause I like I'm so thankful that we live in this country. And for all of its problems, I listened to an interview earlier in the week with Yeonmi Me Park that girl that escaped from North Korea. And I shared it on my story because that, man, that was like one of the most significant, like stories I've heard in a long time from somebody. And just hearing about where she came from and what it was like there. And like her not even understanding like humans potential and what you can do and that there is freedom in the world. And it made me so thankful to be, where I am and to live where I where I do and to be in this country because we have the freedom to do all the stuff we're talking about like yeah that nothing's perfect but like mostly in order to accomplish all the things we're talking about like the biggest factor is us and our our willingness to to put forth the effort and so you know I I don't ever reflect on Thanksgiving very much but I feel like this year I've been thinking about it a little bit more and I'm I'm really thankful. Like it's uh it's something else that we live in this country. The more that I study some of the countries abroad that are nothing like us. Like it's like hell to live there. And we we we're very fortunate.
1: Oh my gosh. Probably 100% man. There you go. Um, I don't even even think you could have a podcast in North Korea. No. Well, you could only, (laughs) they'd probably give you like three sentences to repeat over and over again. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. You couldn't, couldn't exactly have original thought. You damn sure couldn't bumble and stumble along the way we do. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah.
0: We'd be drug out back a long time ago.
1: Mm Mm-hmm but no man I I feel the same way I was thinking about how this week is Thanksgiving and maybe it comes with getting older and stuff but I I just feel way more mindful of what I'm thankful for uh this year than I have in the past um but gosh there's there there's so many things afforded to us we don't even think about and I actually, Thanksgiving personally to me is my favorite holiday, um, which is not most people's favorite holiday, but I love food. I love football and I love my family. So that's all three things in that holiday. Um, But yeah, it is, it is really nice to have a time to be really intentional and sit back and, and reflect on the year and reflect on what all you do have going on. And that's, that's good for you, man. Cause we don't, you and I, especially, I know we run around at a million miles an hour. We're always, uh, I think I speak for both of us. We're always trying to do way more than what we can like physically have time to do. Um, and w- maybe it's really easy for us to fixate on, you know, what we don't have or what we can't get done um so it's important to take a deep breath think about all the all the things we do have going on for us and and then keep moving from there yeah yeah (laughs) yeah it's easy to start fixating on the
0: wrong thing because you're so you want so much That instead of thinking about all the good things you are getting done and all the great, just the privileges we have, you, you just think about all the stuff you, you aren't getting done. It can Mm. bum you out big time. But I've been trying to do that more and more. Like when I get up in the morning, just being thankful to be alive and think about it, like get it right up there in the front of my brain. Top of mind, as they say, like yeah, if you can have something top of mind, that'd be a pretty good thing to keep up there. Is that it's pretty great to be alive. And to get a shot at life. And here. Yeah, where we are. So I'm I'm very thankful. And and just to, you know, we talk about it all the time, but just to know the people we know and to be uh you know, yeah, to get to be around the people that we know, make friends with them, and I'll be pursuing something, and uh, and it per- pertains to so many other things. Like, it's a great, that's the cool thing, like horsemanship. You know they say horsemanship is, is one of the fine arts, right? And um, is, that, is it, that's what they say, right? Something like that horsemanship is one of the fine arts. absolutely yeah yeah but it makes sense absolutely because it kind of touches on so many aspects of one's life from your pursuit to failure to success to like being kind to being firm and uh so to like be Mm -hmm. a good horseman more and more you realize you have to branch out you have to be a better friend a better leader better communicator harder worker maybe a little less ambitious at times more hopeful at times, like so many things. And then like you talked about, um, going and, uh, hunting, you know, or, or like you go play, you know, you go running or you go working out or you hang out with your friends or you, you start a podcast with your buddy, whatever you do, you start adding some things to your life, to like work on some of those things that you can't hammer into yourself while you're working with a horse.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, Buck always says that. He says it can, uh, can feed your ego or it can feed your soul. And I'm, I'm a firm belief if you're doing it right, it's feeding your soul. Kind of like all, all art would, you know? Yeah.
0: Yeah. And I, I remember early on getting really excited about this and, Just, you know, it was the Holy Grail and I'm going to get good with horses and boy, people are so irritating. (laughs) Like what a relief. I don't (laughs) have to mess with people anymore. And then coming around (laughs) where like I told a friend that not too long ago, uh, we were talking about this in depth, you know, it was getting late. We're just talking and I forget what we said leading up to it. But I was like, you know, like I'm coming to understand and really believe I will not be a horseman someday unless I get better with people. And my relationship with people, the way I treat people and interact with them and have care for people, like that needs to precede my skill with horses. And I really believe that. And I, and I, I, I mean, you can talk to the people in my life. I think I still suck at it quite a bit, but... I do know just that mindset has certainly enriched my life. Um, Changed the way I think about about the big ball of yarn. Yeah.
1: Yeah. No, I... um, You have to just keep working on yourself. It's easy, especially for you and me, I know. It's easy to just worry about the horsemanship because it's something we're obsessive over. And you need to do that stuff and you need to get better and more coordinated and have more feel and become more aware. But you have to work on yourself. You have to develop yourself. And it was like I was talking to a buddy yesterday Um, people, anyone who's good at anything, part of the reason they're really good at that thing is because they're detail oriented and they know that everything is connected. Like this over here is connected to this over here. Um, you know, for example, the probably not going to be a great horseman if you're an alcoholic who comes home and yells at his wife, you, you, you might, you know, you might be able to make horses do a lot of things. And I like, I'm not, I'm not trying like talking about anyone in particular or anything like that, but I'm just (laughs) saying, if you have a large gaping character flaw, whatever it might be, you are always going to have a ceiling on how good you can be with your horsemanship. And eventually you'll get to the place where the only way to improve your horsemanship is to work on the huge gaping character flaw. And the only way I know that is because I have huge gaping character flaws. And as slowly as they become less huge and, um, less of a problem, then my horsemanship slowly, slowly improves. Yeah.
0: Yeah, because you're just battling yourself. Like those mm-hmm. bad days when you get mad, frustrated. Like you're it's just yourself. Where where did I I was somebody was talking about that. And they're talking about it being in your head. And when you can get, when you can start to understand that all that turmoil is in your head and you're, you're fighting yourself, that, like, you're finally getting to a good place. And, and I don't, I don't think that, except for times like this. And, like, sometimes I think about that, man, because, like, we can sit here and pontificate about all these great ideas, but then I know that I'm a failure, all the time you know i go out there and fail with the best of them but but i i still think it's good because every time we talk about things like this then it makes me like want to do better and the next time i'm in the field like i remember the stuff we talk about and i think about the things that i've studied and heard and learned from people that are a lot wiser than i am and so the more that it's regurgitated and brought up and and like, shoot, when you talk about something like that with your friend, then you, then you feel more accountable. You feel more, you just, you have a standard to hold yourself to more and more and you're, you just keep bringing it up and you're going to fail. But you keep bringing it up. That's the goal when it comes to how you're trying to be. It's like we've been talking about, you have a goal. So what would be the first step? Is it that you're going to wake up one morning and be like, okay, today I'm going to make it till 10 o'clock as a perfect person I will be Mary Poppins until 10 o'clock and then I can start failing after that that's kind of a big jump but maybe just talking about it and thinking about it would be a good start and being honest with yourself isn't that like AA that's like the first thing in AA (laughs) is you have to be honest with yourself and you have to say I am an alcoholic Mm -hmm. and and until you say that like why are you at AA you're not going to get anything done but it's like with horsemanship, like the first step to being a good horseman is saying, I am, you know, I, I want too much. I get frustrated. You know, it's like saying, I am a failure and I'm going to get better. But I am a failure now. I'm not, I'm not a great horseman, but I want to be. And so I'll talk about it with my friends. I'll practice it. I'll wake up every morning. Knowing that I, I certainly have the potential to be a failure, but I'm going to do my best to not be. And I, I guess there's a balance there because we were talking about that. You've got to be, you've got to think positively, but you have to be honest with yourself. Like when you screw up, that you're, you're honest with yourself. You don't just brush it under the rug and think nobody will ever know because everybody else will know and you won't. But I I think that's why I appreciate talking about this stuff with you and other people that I talk to about this stuff because you're honest with yourself. And then once you're honest with yourself, I don't see that as an excuse. Like the next time you're having a bad day to go, well, you know, they all know that I have bad days because, you know, they know me. But instead, you can recognize, you can see it coming. And you can start to make some changes in the way that you React. Because so much of that, like when you're working with a horse and things start going south, you're not like out there making predetermined decisions to be an asshole to your horse. You're just reacting. You're afraid or you're mad. You're behind schedule. You're not meeting your ambitions. Whatever it is, you're, uh, you're reacting to life. And um, And the less you can react and the more you can lead your life, then the less you allow those things to rule your life and take over.
1: But absolutely, man. Well, I, I, I feel the exact same way about being so fortunate to uh, to have people like you to talk about this stuff with, right? You know, because we're we're constantly kind of engaging in this. So make sure we aren't islands. Um. So to kind of put a bow on this and, and wrap this podcast up, you know, I I'd say one of the things I'm really thankful for is um, having you as a friend and, you know, us having friends and mentors that we're always, you know, kind of putting it in the forefront of each other's minds about how to improve, how to work on ourselves. Um, It's, it's honestly a blessing. And this, uh, this podcast has been a blessing because it's allowed us to meet new people. Um, You know, we, you and I, you know, we've been friends for a good while before this podcast happened, but to sit down every week and really, kind of consciously think about it and talk about stuff that we talk about that that makes a big difference um compared to you know maybe maybe once in a blue moon we have these type of conversations to be way more intentional about it through this podcast um that's something i've been thankful for and i feel like it's really helped me um keep things in the forefront of my mind
0: yeah yeah i'm I'm so thankful and yeah, there, there's a lot of days. I mean, I, I don't always want to be where I am. There's a lot of stuff I'd like to, you know, I'd like to be other places or the weather or, you know, like whatever stuff gets to me, but like right now, while I'm thinking about it, I'm super thankful to be where I am. And for sure, this podcast and, and our friendship, um, it's, it's changed the way that I look at a lot of things. And especially in the topics we talk about all the time with horses and with people and pursuing something, success. So I'm very thankful. And uh, looking forward to next year. But uh, I think it's been, a, been an exciting year. And even with all the turmoil, you know, political turmoil. Financial turmoil, unrest, all this stuff. Um, just to remember, at the end of the day, we're all people. We don't get out of this thing alive. We all have that in common. And uh, you don't even have tomorrow. You know, like we don't even have tomorrow. But but we have friends. We have each other, and we have a lot to be thankful for. And boy, that that makes us winners. Right off the right off the bat. Amen. All righty. Absolutely, man. Well, shall we wrap it up?
1: Cool. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody.